I, I want to say this just, first of all, I want to make sure that the few Sundays, we have two more Sundays in February, show up at 9.30 and 11. And then March 5th, you come at 10. And so on your way out today, we're going to give you a little reminder card, put it on your refrigerator so you know what time to come to church the next two weeks and you know what time to come on March 5th. Also, couples, we do our marriage small group a little different. We do it one Friday night every other month for seven months. I mean, for four months, not for seven. Uh, but this Friday night, it's 7 p.m. in the Activity Center. Uh, Jeff and I don't do all of them, but we are doing this one along with Patrick and Angela Moore. So couples, and, and I thought this Friday night, let's see, Valentine's Day is this week. So either this Friday night, some couples are going to come real happy, or some might need a recovery small group because he didn't do anything. No. <laughs> Listen, I'm excited today. Let's get into the message. We are in a series that's entitled Devoted. And in this series, we are learning those things that you and I need to devote ourselves to so that we can, as a church, live immersed and empowered, immersed in God's goodness, his blessings in our life, the presence of God in our life, and then also empowered by his spirit. And so we've gone through several things that we must devote ourselves to, but I want to continue a message I started last week on prayer. We must devote ourselves to prayer. So let's pray and let's get into this message today. Lord Jesus, I just thank you that you are building your church. And Lord, we thank you that today your words will bring life wherever anyone is today in their walk with you. I thank you that these words will bring life to their life. Jesus, you speak to them. Holy Spirit, bring revelation knowledge. Prepare this church for what you have in store for us. Lord, help us to continue to devote ourselves to prayer so we can see you work wonders in us, for us, and through us in this community. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's go to our text. Now, there will be the scriptures up on the screen. Also, we have our sermon notes. We also have those sermon notes translated into Spanish. Uh, if you need to slip out and pick up one of those, they're in the lobby. But let's read Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And this is speaking of the early church. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Now, over the past couple of weeks in this series, we've learned four things the church devoted themselves to. And so, let's review those four things. They devoted themselves to teaching, to fellowship, communion, and prayer. Hmm. Certainly, as you read in the book of Acts, the history of the early church, they were a church that lived immersed and empowered. Sometimes, I think the reason why we haven't been more effective in our world is because we haven't been the church that was immersed. We were just kind of halfway in, 
all in on Sunday, but not so sure about Monday. You know, empowered, maybe, sometimes. Now, living immersed and empowered, there is a responsibility on us. If we want the power that the early church had, then we must follow its practices. And it devoted themselves to teaching, to fellowship. That's big, small groups is a big part of that. We need each other. Listen, you still have time. We've just started our ladies joyful and our men iron men just started our youth video chats on wednesday you still have time to get in on those this session around jump in devote yourself to that make time for it break your schedule do something new come on but the early church lived immersed and empowered because they devoted themselves to teaching fellowship to communion receiving it together, and then also to prayer. Now, every individual believer, every believer, every person following Christ needs to have their own private prayer life. You need to have a prayer life. Come on, can you really do life without talking to God? And who wouldn't want to talk to him? Because he does talk back. Now, I will admit, sometimes in my prayer time, God says, Jane, could I talk? Would you give me a word here? Because I know these things I want to pray for, and I'm in there praying for my family, for y'all. But every individual believer needs their own private, personal prayer life. But also, and hear me on this, when it says the church devoted themselves to prayer, it also included the gathering together of the church to pray. It's often just referred to as corporate prayer. We do it the first Sunday of the month. We just did it, and it was amazing to come together and pray. We also do it in a smaller group. Right now, while we're having service, there are people over. We call it our annex, the furthest house on the property. There are people over there praying for this service and for the next and for this community. We also do it on Thursday morning in a small group, and they just do it by teleconference. You can join that group, too call up and you're on a prayer call but the church must gather together in corporate prayer now last week we went to the old testament and we learned some things about what happens when god's people pray and we learned three things that corporate prayer does and i want to review those and then i want to get into and the message today as we continue to look at the power of prayer, we're going to hop over to the New Testament. But here are the three things from last week. Quick, quick review. When the church prays, number one, corporate prayer can change the climate and condition of a nation. As the church, we have a responsibility to pray for our nation. Number two, corporate prayer empowers the church to fulfill her mission. Doesn't it stand to reason that if we're fulfilling 
God's mission, that we need his power. We need to talk to him, our commander, talk to the head of the church, and we do that together because you have a personal call on your life, but what the church does right now, not only prayer is going on, but growth track is going on in our activity center where people are over there finding out their purpose, how they fit into the church so they can be a part of our mission, and we do that every month. And and so now listen, we need to gather together because a church who prays is empowered to complete her mission. Third thing we learned about prayer is corporate prayer glorifies God. Now, can, can I just break that word down, glorifies? Because sometimes we have this, I'll call it spiritual lingo. Man, my nephew was here this weekend helping the church uh, with some technical issues, and then he was trying to tell me what he did, huh? You know, because he's using all these technical terms, and I don't know. You know, just tell me what's my email address or what, you know, I, tell me what I do. And so sometimes in the church world, we can have this spiritual lingo. And so when I talk about God being glorified, what does that mean? I'm going to break it down and make it real plain for you. It means that the church exhibits in her behavior, her actions, expresses who God is by what's happening. When we glorify God, that means we allow God to be God and shine brightly in this community through us. And we saw how when the church prayed, wow, God was made known. If we want to see God do greater things, we devote ourselves to prayer, to coming together and praying. Now, let's go over to the New Testament, and let's once again look at what happens when the church gathers together to pray. Now, let me just say this, because it has a bearing on this message, where I'm going in this message. We just read Acts 2. Verse 42, where we learned that the church devoted themselves to prayer. So now we're going to Acts 3, and I think we can figure out that what's happening in Acts 3 was because of what they devoted themselves to in Acts 2. Is that clear enough? Let's read Acts chapter 3, a story that many of you are familiar with. A lame man is healed. Acts 3, 1. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. Now I want to go down to verse 6 and continue this story. Acts 3, 6. But Peter said, 
I don't have silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar that had been so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. That would be glory to God. That would be God being glorified. An undeniable miracle takes place. The healing of this lame man. If you go on reading in the book of Acts, it says this miraculous miracle was a sign. A man who had been lame 40 years was healed. Listen, everyone saw him. Walking, leaping, and praising God. Can we just discern this from what we just read? When the church devotes themselves to prayer, miracles happen. Not only were Peter and John on their way to the temple for the three o'clock prayer, but we read in Acts 2 that the church had devoted themselves to prayer. Now, here's what happened. Here's how we can learn from this. Peter and John were certainly the instruments that God used to bring about this miracle. And listen, you and I don't get to choose who the instruments are. God chooses the instruments through which he works the miracles. But what every member of the church can and gets to do is to pray to create an environment in which miracles like that can happen. Wow! That's the power of prayer. It wasn't just what God was doing through Peter and John. They played a vital role, but it was the entire church that had prayed ahead of time for their community, and because they did, wow. Well, you could say this when the church prays, God makes himself known. Hmm. Do we want Tampa to know God? Do we want him? Do we want them? Do we care about this community? Do we want them to see God do some things that are just undeniably God? You know what I say about church and this church? Our job is to make God famous in our community. Come on. Some things happening over there at that church, you need to get there. Some things, a person from that church, they prayed over this, come on, at the football field, at the soccer place. Now, let's keep reading here because we also need to learn and be ready because when we pray and things begin to happen, prayer threatens the enemy and he gets worked up. 
Acts 4.21, it says, The council, which were the religious leaders, the council then threatened them, Peter and John, further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot, for everyone was praising God. Now, the story goes on that after this layman was walking, leaping, and praising God in the temple. Now, you have to understand, the temple in that day was more like a marketplace, too. It's where everybody gathered, not just to go to church. There was this whole temple area. And so it'd be like us, the mall, or I don't know, you know, where everybody gathers down at the Riverwalk in Tampa, you know. But their part of their culture was that temple where they did go to church. Now, our culture has kind of separated things. But what happened is when this miracle happened, the religious leaders felt threatened. And so they locked Peter and John up. They arrested them. Any time God begins to move, threats begin to come. A church that prays becomes a threat to the enemy. Mm -hmm. Come on, I, I want this church to be a threat to the enemy. But you know, we have to kind of ask ourselves, are the churches a viable threat to what the enemy is doing in our city? Do we just let things happen and we don't pray? Do we just let our young people be confused by the mixed messages of this culture without praying for them? Hmm. And what they need to see is not just a good little, I'm going to say this, please forgive me if I offend you, but they don't need to just see a cute little church that has you know a big with all the fancy music and the lights they need to see the power of God in demonstration they need to know that he is God listen that's not going to happen unless we pray we got to gather together and and we we got to pray but we got to know that when we do we're going to become a threat to the enemy and if I could put it this way there's going to be a power struggle mm -hmm. the enemy wants to stay in power and honestly shouldn't these religious leaders have been excited that a man that was lame was healed what were they thinking they were influenced by the enemy. It, it, it was a power struggle going on. Deception. They're deceived. Mm. Let's look at what's really going on. It's no different today than it was back then. The enemy wants control. If you go over to the book of Ephesians, it clearly says that there is a war going on between good and evil. There, is, there are principalities and powers. There is a spiritual world, and it says wicked spirits in high places. Now, we're not demon conscious. We have authority over them, but we got, we got to come, we got to be real. Our, our young people, I mean, I was looking at some Ugio cards, and I, they're into the supernatural. You know, they want the supernatural, but the enemy is giving it to them in a wicked way. 
And we got to make sure that we understand as the church, there are evil forces. There are wicked influences that we have got to pray against so that people are not deceived, so that their blind eyes open up so they can receive the message of the gospel. Wow. Listen, what had happened is these religious leaders got nervous because they saw a power that was greater than the power they had, and they were afraid of losing control over the people. Hmm. Let's do a little power comparison here. But just before we compare some powers, because we need to compare so you know which power is operating, but I want to say this. The enemy gets nervous when the church uses the power in the name of Jesus. That's what Peter and John had done. They used the power. And when the religious leaders saw that power, they made a grasp for their power to stay in control. Thus the power structure or the power struggle. Now listen, let's do some power comparison. Jesus' power displayed there worked good and a lame man was healed wow wow you know that's why Jesus wants the church to exert his power is because he wants to do good he wants to do good for people he, he wants to make his goodness known but now the religious leaders, and we don't learn just this, we don't learn this just from this passage, but we learn it from the ministry of Jesus. The religious leaders use their power to control the people through fear and blessed themselves. It was all about them remaining in their position of control. And what the enemy does, our enemy wants to control by fear. It's his biggest weapon. And you can kind of tell, you can tell which power is operating. Are the people blessed and empowered? Are good things going on? Are the people controlled by fear and threats? Mm. Folks, we gain power in prayer. And we overcome. A wise church knows that we are fighting a spiritual battle. We are not, come on, I, I got to say this. I'm not saying that as an American citizen, you should have a vote. You should vote. You should know where you stand. But this is not a political battle. It is not a social battle. It is a spiritual battle. And we will not win any other battle until we first win the spiritual battle. The church prays to see God's power released so the spirit of fear is defeated. Mm. Did you hear that? That's the reason we pray. The church prays so to see the power of God released so the spirit of fear is defeated. I like to put it this way. Prayer is an outpouring of love for a world that needs Jesus. Mm -hmm. Really, when we pray, it's because we love. Because we love God and we love people and we want to see his power for good manifested not the power of evil that simply breeds fear. How many fearful people 
in the world. Mm. So what do we do as a church? We pray for boldness. Another word for boldness is courage. Because when threats come, you need courage. Listen, they went back, and here's what they did, or here's the prayer they prayed. Acts 29, it says, And now, O Lord, hear their threats. Uh, Can we just acknowledge that they were human? God, did you hear what they said? Come on. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Here's what we learn. When the enemy hurls his threats, the church responds with prayer. He's going to hurl his threats at us. But what does the church do? When the enemy hurls his threats... The church responds with prayer. Now, now, can I say this? The threats are real. Those religious leaders could do harm to those people. That they could harm them. They didn't have all authority, but they had some authority. They could hinder the mission of the church. They could stir up some trouble. We've got to realize When they threat, there's some power behind their threat. Not all power. And so you and I, don't be foolish. We need courage. Can can I talk about the threats that we may have today and why we need boldness? Let me say this. The church who prays for boldness is the one who accomplishes her mission. We're going to need boldness to stand. Think about the threats that are around us today. Mm. We need to pray some bold prayers. I love what they said. They said, give us great boldness. And they said, give us boldness to preach your word. We need a boldness to preach the truth when there's so many messages in culture that are coming against the truth. Mm. We need to pray that the Lord would stretch out his hand with healing power. We have our healing, faith healing center that goes on Thursday night. We're changing that up in March. We're going to have a major healing service the first Thursday night in March. And then healing school the other Thursdays while we want Jesus to stretch forth his hand with healing power. They said may miraculous signs and wonders be done. Listen, we can preach the gospel, but if we haven't prayed, it can easily fall on deaf ears. We've got to pray first. We've got to pray. Charles Spurgeon said this. I love this quote from him. Charles Spurgeon said, I would rather teach one man to pray than ten men to preach. Because the one man who prays is effective when he preaches or she. Come on. Jesus wants his church praying bold prayers so he can work wonders. Mm. Now, threats are always present. I said, let's look at the threats we have today. I'll put you in Facebook jail if you say that. 
You're a hater if you don't condone my lifestyle. All of those are threats. And in some ways, some parts of the church have backed down and called it love. And I said this last week, and I'll say it again. We never let go of our faith in the name of love. But we always remember that love can oper- faith can only operate when it's motivated by love. Yeah. Come on, and our faith is in the truth that are in these books. And we need boldness to speak the word of God. We need the wisdom to do it the right way so people can hear. How many of you know if I cooked you a steak, I mean the finest T-bone steak. Some of you are getting hungry. Don't Stay with me. But I put it on a garbage can. Listen, sometimes we've had the best message. But the way we delivered it, nobody wanted it. We got to pray. Come on. There are so many values promoted in our culture that are in direct opposition to the good news of Jesus. Threats everywhere. Hmm. Threats against marriage. Oh, don't you don't need to get married, or you know, marriage is not between a man and a woman. Families, children, teenagers. So what do we do? Do we just let this next generation let let the culture win them, or do we, as a church, stand up and do what we are called to do and pray for boldness, so God can show up and we can win this generation for Jesus? And they can see who God is. Listen, God works miracles today. But the church needs to pray so our younger generation can witness God's power. They need to see God's power. God wants to work miracles today. Hebrews, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. His name has not lost any power. Can I just say this? Prayer precedes miracles. And can I remind you of this? The book of Acts, uh, that was just one story. It wasn't like that happened every hour on the hour. Okay? They're recorded. And actually, the book of Acts took a period of 30 to 40 years, historians say. Now listen, a church who prays, devotes themselves to prayer, is a church who will see God do wonders in their community. And then we see the Holy Spirit fill. So a church who prays experiences the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, let's begin to wrap this up. Got a few minutes to wrap it up. And we're going to end in a little different way today, and I hope you enjoy it. If you don't, just don't even bother to tell me. No, I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Here we go. You ready? Acts 4.33. We've been in Acts We saw what they prayed. And then look at Acts 4.33. And God answered. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And abundant grace was upon them all. They prayed and great power rested on them to preach, to take the message of the gospel. Now. God will use miracles to get people's attention. But, and I'm talking about physical miracles so people can see them. But I want to remind you of this, folks. The greatest miracle is a transformed life. That's the greatest miracle. We see somebody walk in here and have their life 
transformed. Wow. Let's pray bold prayers and watch God change our community, our nation, our world, our families. Now, now let me say this. Some people get a little nervous when you start talking about the church being bold. Are we going to go squirrely? No. But you know what? It's amazing. We think our world doesn't want a church that prays. And yet when Buffalo Bills team member Damar Hamlin collapsed on a field, the world prayed. So I think it's okay, folks, if the church prays. Not only do we want to pray, we want to pray bold prayers. We want to pray for boldness, and we want to pray bold prayers. And people may get a little nervous, oh, you're going to pray bold prayers. It's amazing. You want a church that prays bold prayers when your family member gets that diagnosis. You want a church who prays bold prayers when you find your child is on drugs. You want a church that's bold with their prayers. And I want to be that church for people who want God, who want to see Jesus work. As the church, and I'm wrapping this up, as the church we are called to pray bold prayers and watch God change our community, our city, and our world. Wow. So can we do that? Can we pray that prayer right now? Stand up. I want you to stand up. I'm going to have you stand up. And I want them, can you put up my slide? I figured since we talked about praying bold prayers, let's just pray this together right now as Faith Life Church. You ready? It's on the screen, but let's make it a prayer from our hearts as we say this together. You ready? And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for using this church to reach our nation. Lord, we know a church that prays bold prayers glorifies you.